Welcome to The Nonprofit Voice, a podcast series brought to you by Nonprofit Pro, the go-to resource for nonprofit management and strategy. In each episode, we're going to sit down with leaders of nonprofit organizations, the people responsible for paving the way for our sector, along with key technology strategy partners who are transforming our industry. Here at the Nonprofit Voice, we'll have refreshing conversations in which we will all learn more about the convergence of nonprofit and technology. Be sure to follow us on social media and visit our website to find more episodes of the Nonprofit Voice. And you can download all of the Nonprofit Voice episodes on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. We will have all the links down below. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Voice. My name is Nuti. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Nonprofit Pro, and I'll be your host for today's episode. And as always, thank you so much for joining us today. So on the line with me today, I have Laura Levadas, the Development Manager at Solano Land Trust, and Doug Schoenberg, co-founder and CEO of Softwareware. Hi to you both. How are you both doing? Super. Great. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Oh, more than happy to have you. So before we jump into today's topic, I usually get our audience more acquainted with our guests so they can know who's on the line, a little bit more about your background. So Laura, I want to start with you. Can you tell us your background and how you found yourself um, at your organization? Yes. So I'm out here in Northern California for, gosh, now about 20 years, and I I have a business background. I spent four years in the Air Force and then made my way back here to California. And I jumped into the wine business, of course, because that made sense in Northern California. I spent about 15 years in the wine business, very successful, had a wonderful time. And then I decided to one day, two years ago, hang it up and take a take a break from it and go into the nonprofit world and it's it's a local nonprofit in the community so it just it fit well because the ties in the community that it was a perfect place for me to start to learning about the nonprofit business awesome and Doug tell us about yourself sure um, well as you mentioned I'm uh, CEO and co-founder of a company called uh, Softwareware. Um, we're the provider of a software product called Donor Perfect. Um, but the way that I actually got into the nonprofit space, our original business, um, and I've been doing this a long time, I've uh, been involved with software uh, for over 35 years now, was software for managing uh, children's camps and childcare centers. And um, uh, what many people don't realize is about half of all childcare and camping in the United States is operated by nonprofits. And so um, we had this product and our customers were asking us, trying to use the software to do fundraising. And they kept wanting to do these things that our software didn't really do because it was a little bit more of a traditional database accounting system. Um, and But we realized there was a real need for a solution um, that was uh, like what we did, which uh, we had focused a great deal on making things very, very simple for non-computer oriented people. Again, this was back in the uh, the days when uh, microcomputers were just uh, coming into popularity. 
Um, and so we got into and providing uh, nonprofit software, and that really um, has been a great deal of uh, the growth and success of our business. So today it represents um, about 80% of uh, software's business, and it's a, it's a great field to work in. I, great people, great causes, um, and of course, many challenges that um, I think technology can help with. Yeah, definitely. I think it gives us all a sense of purpose and, you know, passion in what we do, which I think is amazing. All right, great. So thank you both for sharing that. Um, so, you know, we all know the importance of donor retention, but I don't think we've really talked it through on this podcast. So I've asked Laura and Doug to join me today to talk through how nonprofits can improve their donor retention rates. Um, so throughout today's conversation, we're going to discuss donor retention strategies, relationship building tactics, the effect of recurred giving or monthly giving on the retention rate and so much more. So without further ado, let's just dive right in. Doug, I know Donor Perfect has just re just released a benchmark study in, where it found really good information about donor retention. So can let's just talk through donor retention and why it's so important for nonprofits. Sure. Um, well, as you mentioned, um, we have begun doing actually quarterly um, a report analyzing the fundraising success of our clients. Um, and um, uh, our most recent edition of this looked at how uh, fundraising fared during the last year. And of course, uh, the last year was pretty unusual one from the perspective of the pandemic. Um, and as we uh, dug into it, we, we certainly saw that most nonprofits um, struggled somewhat with their uh, fundraising um, uh, results um, last year. Um, but we discovered a couple of things that we thought were pretty significant. Um, it's not surprising that at some level, we saw different results based on the kind of organization. So if you were an organization that was doing something that was providing human services for people who were struggling in the pandemic, you actually tended to have better uh, fundraising uh, success than perhaps an arts organization. Um, but um, the other thing that we uh, saw was that um, success varied more than we would have expected by the size of the organization. And when we really dug into that, what we discovered is that the biggest factor that we could see differentiating organizations' uh, results was actually how well they had retained uh, their donors during the pandemic. Um, and that was really intriguing to us. I mean, uh, we, we certainly, I think all of us know that donor retention, um, it's much easier and, and more valuable, frankly, to keep an existing donor than to have to find a new donor. Um, but it really was pretty stunning to us how, um, how large a factor um, it proved to be uh, uh, last year. Um, and in fact, I'll kick it over to Laura, but one of the reasons, uh, 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 one of the things that we did is we, we wanted to understand what was the difference in organizations that were having more success with donor retention uh, versus those that were struggling more. Um, and uh, Laura is a great example of an organization that despite the pandemic, 
had great donor retention uh, rates and, and continued to have great donor retention rates uh, through the pandemic. Yes, thank you, Doug. Uh, you know, I think we were all in such an unknown territory last year when the pandemic kicked in. And, you know, you think about so many things with a donor, you've already got your plan laid out for the year and you've got your marching orders and, you're, and, and you, you're, you're going through your strategy and all of a sudden you get a curveball and not only are you freaking out, everybody else is worried, freaking out, not knowing what to do in a whole new situation. And, um, and, and that's where I think donor retention was important for us was that we never lost sight of our donors and we never stepped away from doing our, our work. Um, no matter if, you know, we, of course, protect land and I know we're different than other, all nonprofits are different, right? Um, and I think just just continuing to do the good work in the community, um, sharing that good work with everybody, um, that we didn't want anybody to think, oh, well, you know, you're no longer there. You know, we're still here. We're strong in the community. We're still doing good work. Um, and I think that that does help with retention is because if they see that you are there, you are communicating with them. Um, and so we never skipped a beat. We just had to go and take a different fork in the road in order to, to meet the needs of our donors and supporters and volunteers. And I think a big part of donor retention is communicating and engaging donors, which we will get to um, later in this conversation. But I think the other part of it is making sure you have recurred, like donors who are coming back and giving again. So Doug, my question to you is how significant is monthly giving um, to donor retention? Sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's obviously, um, uh, very important. I mean, I think there are many organizations, and I think Laura's, uh, again, a good example of it, um, that they have loyal donors, and uh, you can have donor retention and continuity of giving even outside of um, monthly or recurring giving programs. Um, but certainly, there are some things about um, uh, monthly giving programs that are very, very powerful in terms of their impact. Um, it wasn't in this, uh, the most recent study that I mentioned, but we had also done um, a study analysis of our uh, of our customers. Um, and what we found is, you know, the typical one-time donation is about $50, the average. Um, the average uh, monthly donation is about $30, so $360 a year. So typically, it means that a monthly recurring donor in and of itself is worth about seven times more than an average one-time uh, uh, donation. And then it really gets even more powerful because the other factor um, is the lifetime value of, uh, of those uh, donors. So um, I think it's you know, sort of uh, pretty well known that most nonprofits do struggle um, with donor retention. Um, you know, I think the industry average is 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 something like um, if uh, about a 40 to 45 percent donor retention. So that means that um, you're losing over half of your donors from one year to uh, to the next. 
Well, um, when you look at monthly donors, um, the retention rate uh, jumps up to about 85%, um, so more than double. And when you combine those two factors together, the, um, the much longer uh, time that you retain the donors and the higher um, annual giving level, um, um, we, uh, on average, a monthly donor is actually worth about 34 times what a one-time uh, uh, donor is. So um, that, that's what the data tells us. Um, and, and this is based on, um, we have over 10,000 clients. So this is a pretty large sample size of data. Excellent. And Laura, I know you work um, as a nonprofit who has a pretty, a pretty good retention rate at the organization. You know, what is your take on monthly giving or recurred giving to donor retention? Yeah, I would have to agree with Doug. It's, um, it, it definitely shows that loyalty and that support um, because it is ongoing. You know that they believe in the mission um, and that they're going to be there for the long haul. And when I look at monthly giving, you know, no matter if it's small or large or potential to be bigger or having that conversation with the donor, um, it, it, it's a, you know you've got a real nice partnership with your donors when they're in this program. And I think for some, join the program because they want to do good, but maybe they don't have the ability to do so much, but they can do monthly, you know, whatever the dollar amount may be. And sometimes that leads into something further down the road, whether it's, um, you know, a bequest or anything like that. So it opens up much more conversation and you do begin to gain a relationship with your donors. Um, so I, I think that's, it builds into so much of this significant um, having these donors. You know, one thing I'd add though, also about uh, monthly giving and, and, and retention generally, um, I, I think one of the challenges that exist for uh, nonprofits is um, sort of not getting lost in the um, in, in the uh, many different kinds of outreach uh, th that go on and um, you know the the beauty of monthly giving programs is it makes sustaining support easier um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people end up um, not giving to an organization the following year, not because they're uninterested in the cause or that the organization did anything to really um, offend them, but simply, um, you know, forgetting to do it or thinking that they did it, et cetera. And so the automatic nature of monthly giving, um, assuming it's done via an automatic credit card transaction or bank debit, um, you know, it, it, it takes um, inertia and has it work in your favor rather than um, against you. Yeah, that's a really great point, Doug. Um, a lot, I hear a lot of times that it's not that donors don't want to give or they don't like the organization or don't care about the cause. It's because they're not asked. They need constant reminders. So I think getting them to convert into a monthly donor is just like an automatic thing for them and it's just easier for both the organization and the donor um, in the long run. And I think it can lead to a lot of donor loyalty. Um, like you said, 
Laura, it could lead to plan giving options down the road um, when the time comes. And I think that's that's the key here. Um, so we end up kind of getting donors to in the retaining donors and trying to get them to come back and be more loyal to your organization, a big part of it is the relationship relationship building aspect. So Laura, I'd love to hear your recommendations on, you know, some good tactics to how to engage and build relationships with uh, with potential donors. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I know it's always hard to, you know, even especially now being in the pandemic, you know, finding those innovative, creative ways to build a relationship. And, um, you know, you just, you, I recommend finding multiple outlets to communicate to your donor, um, even if it's a simple email or a note out to them, or you pick up the phone and have a conversation with them about the weather. You know, things go so far with such, you know, different efforts, little big, um, you know, open the door to have conversations, let, um, you know, have your executive director send out a special email just checking in on everybody or something that's current in the community that um, you think might be important to them. You know, building relationships is not always easy. It's not easy for us to just make new friends. And, and this is kind of a scenario that you are you want them to build trust with you as well, right? I want them to trust me and, and know that um, I'm doing good good with their money and um, producing, um, you know, end results. Um, so, you, you know, it, it, I think about some of the things that I've done and it's, you know, creating a video and sharing it to your your donors, um, going into the local newspaper and sharing a, an article, um, a, a project that's been complete or a testimonial, let donors talk about themselves, you know, let share some testimonials. Those are always wonderful to hear. And I, again, I think that that all leads into building relationships. I, I really do. Yes, definitely. Building relationships is an easy thing. Making new friends, like you said, Laura, it's not the easiest thing, but it's all about building. It is about building trust and building um, a relationship in which you're not always just asking for money, but like you're telling them what their their donations are doing, and you know you're learning more about them and what they like and what you know interests them. Now, did you have anything? Yeah, I'll, I'll build on that because I think, um, you know, uh, one of the things that's really important for nonprofits to uh, think about is that um, just like not all nonprofits are the same, not all donors are the same. Um, and so uh, building a relationship with a donor is very much um, a function of what the relationship that they want to have is. I think Laura would probably agree. Some donors, they're very generous, but they're also very busy. And candidly, they want to um, support you with um, 
you know, a donation and they don't necessarily want to get um, tons of emails and they may not participate in many of your um, events and activities. And then there are other donors who are very much looking for that. They want to have an impact beyond their, uh, their financial donation. Um, and uh, uh, asking donors uh, about their preferences and understanding what motivates and excites them is very much um, an element of building that relationship and meeting them where they want to be. Um, and of course, that's one of the things that, you know, um, we encourage our customers to to use our products uh, to do is to keep track of that information because um, you know it is important to know this is someone who who does want to get our uh, our mailings and information or this is someone who really is interested in volunteering etc. Yeah, that's a really great point. I think it's important to understand that every there's not a one size fits all and each donor is different and they want to be communicated in different ways um, and understanding that is vital. So Doug, I mean, we talked a lot about building relationships with donors. So let's talk about what a communication strategy should look like and how should nonprofits go about doing that. So, you know, I'll, I'll go back to sort of the research that we did around, um, you know, uh, what worked in in the pandemic, and um, I think it it harkens back to the core of a good um, communication strategy. Um, one piece of that is consistency of communication. Um, it has to have a cadence that is regular, so that you can um, stay relatively top of mind and it has to be diverse okay um, if the only time a donor hears from you is uh, with an ask for money um, that's going to set you know less than an optimal relationship so it is really a function of sometimes sharing information i love laura's idea of uh, sharing a video just because it's different not everyone's going to watch it um, but different people um get um connected via very different things. Some people open all their emails and read them carefully. Um, some people, you know, you're much more likely to reach them with a quick um, text message or something along those lines. And so, you know, one of the things that we saw that um, uh, was unfortunate it, uh, that um, some nonprofits did, understandable but unfortunate, is that they felt like, well, there's a pandemic, okay? Um, our donors don't wanna hear from us. They don't want us asking them for money when there's all this stress um, and stuff going on. Um, and the reality is that I think um, the organizations that were more successful, um, sure, they probably adapted their communication strategy somewhat, um, but they didn't abandon it. They didn't go dark on their, uh, uh, donors. Um, and I think that's uh, uh, really the key message. Yeah, Doug, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's um, that's exactly what we did. Um, you know, we lay, as far as ideas and suggestions, you know, we laid out on an annual basis at the beginning, prior to the beginning of the year, we, we lay out what our strategy for communications is. So we know exactly what we're doing each month. And 
um, because then it can obviously plan ahead. And when the pandemic happened, you know, we're going, oh gosh, what do we do? You know, we had events planned, in-person activities, private receptions for specific donors to go into different program levels. And, and you're right, the first thing you think of is, I better take a step back. It's not appropriate. I I, sh I shouldn't communicate. I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't ask for money. And the first thing that I said was, is let let's not stop. And it's not a good idea. And so we just rerouted our communications. And you know, being out here in California, not only did we have the pandemic, but we had a significant amount of fires. And it just going from different levels, you know, tiered levels, we were uh, uh, teetering back and forth and we finally found a window in May, May through August where we had the ability to meet outdoors, um, small number of people, you know, we, eight was our limit and plus staff. And I said, you know what, let's, let's get out in the open air Let's invite our donors and let's get them on the land and have a conversation with our executive director. And we called them coffee breaks. And it was 100% successful. Uh, we, we had 17 successful gatherings. Uh, we were able to show them an in-person completed project. And, and so when we look at the strategy, we didn't stop. We didn't stop talking. We didn't stop informing them and sharing the successes of not only what what their donations are going towards is that that things were still happening behind the scenes, and um, which led to uh, you know some great outcomes for us. Um, we and I'm sure most fundraisers out there, you know you weigh heavily on your in-person fundraising live auction event. I mean, that's a lot of people's bread and butter and you, that came to a screeching halt. And, you know, so we had to take it virtual and um, thinking outside the box and, and it worked. So, you know, oh, and I'm not, you know, every things work differently for every nonprofit and all, you, all I recommend is, you know, try something, do something, you know, do a, do a, uh, whatever you think fits best for your donors. Um, and so, you know, looking back, you know, we're starting the, we continue to look at our communication strategy this year. And now as things are lifting, things are changing for us. So again, we're not gonna stay straight down the, the, the path. We're we'll make adjustments that I think will be key to continuing this, the, the communication path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think you and Doug really just have done a great job at just laying out how to communicate with donors and get them excited and get them to learn more about the organization and what it's doing. But is there anything that you would add, Laura, in terms of, you know, getting donors more engaged in the brand or in the organization? Yeah, yeah you know, um, you, you, want it, you want them to engage. 
you know, they love, and we have a tangible thing. We have land, right? We have, we have groups of um, people that go out and monitor birds or monitor the oaks or um, like to pull the weeds, you know, find, find different in ways to engage them and they just lighten their, you can just see the, the, the their eyes just lighten up because th that has engaged them. Um, you know, getting testimonials and hearing from them is so, so important because then that helps me to understand what I need to do for them um, and communicate back to them. Um, you know, have some open forums with your, with your executive director, you know, open up the doors, L let them know something maybe they, that they don't know that will positively enlighten them. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, every nonprofit is different. And I think it's important for nonprofits to think like super creatively and find out what makes them unique and what they can offer their their supporters. Doug. Yeah, you know, I was going to just add, you know, Laura is lucky in one way that they have this physical space that they can invite um, uh, supporters to uh, participate with and engage. Um, but one of the things that I've also really seen, and actually it's, you know, sort of a little bit of a silver lining uh, to uh, to the pandemic for nonprofits, because, you know, at the end of the day, um, a lot of uh, the interaction that you're looking for is to just sit down and have a conversation um, mm -hmm. and um, to to ask uh, your donors questions um, you know what brought them to the cause um, you know uh, what uh, what kinds of things personally interest them etc um, and in many ways that's actually easier to do um, you know uh, uh, today people are easier to um, uh, to reach at home, they're at home more. Um, and, you know, um, instead of having to um, uh, go and travel to wherever the donor is, it really is possible. I've had some very interesting um, discussions with some of the nonprofits that I uh, support, um, you know, via Zoom calls. And we all have probably a few more Zoom calls than we might like, but it is really a nice opportunity to check in and hear um, about what the organization's doing. And it's nice to know that they care enough to, you know, want to engage uh, with uh, with me as well. Yeah, last year into this year, it's a really unique and different time because, you know, people are at home and they're more accessible and technology gives us a lot of ways to connect with them. Um, so yeah. Great. So next thing I want to touch on is how can nonprofits leverage their data to help improve donor retention? And Doug, I'm going to pass that on to you. Well, I think there's a lot that they can uh, do. I think it really starts with, of course, um, measuring donor retention. Um, you know, I'm often amazed that um, 
you know, organizations don't really have a really good sense for what their uh, donor retention rate is. And I think um, the best way to start to improve it is to track it and know whether it's going um, up or down. Um, but the other thing uh, I would point to is, again, using the data that they have about the donor um, and using it to drive how they're engaging with them, their communication strategy, and, and, and again, really meeting the donor um, on the terms that they want to be met on. Laura, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, you know, I'm a data analysis uh, crazy person, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. They call it a nerd. Yeah, I was going to say the same. Data analysis nerd, and because I love data, because what is the best way to analyze something is to look at what you, you know, it's as good as what you've put in, it's what you're going to get put out to analyze, and you're absolutely right. It, it measures, for me, you know, it measures success, it measures um, maybe areas of improvement um i can uh, it's the it, it like you said it would a great way to put data about your donor inside of this database because i can extract so much from it whether i flag them as a type of donor or a specific monthly donor or at a certain level um or am i campaigning um you know where if I am doing an ask, you know, where is that campaign? What does it look like year after year? Is Does it go up? Does it go down? Um, I can see where things need to be corrected. Um, I love the moves management part of the database because it holds us accountable that if we're going to do something and we commit to having a conversation with the donor, having an in-person meeting, maybe it's a Zoom meeting, maybe you're taking them out on the property or through a facility. It, it holds us accountable to make sure that we do um, what we're supposed to do. And so whether it's chiming me in or, hey, this is coming up or, um, you know, again, so I think all of that really helps you leverage, um, you know, the donor and, and whether they're going to drop off or engage in a different way. Mm -hmm. And it keeps you accountable. <laughs> so absolutely. <laughs> Don't need that. Um, all right, great. So Lauren, Doug, we talked about so much today and, you know, I appreciate so much for your insights on this topic. And I usually end with this pretty simple, but it can be difficult depending on <laughs> the person. If there's one piece of advice you could give to nonprofits from everything that we've talked about today, what would it be? And Laura, I'll have you go first. Okay, I'm gonna throw in two. Um, I would say communicate is so key and also get to know your donor. I mean, those are really, for me, key, you know? Um, if you communicate, then they, they are knowledgeable in what you're doing. They're up to date. They're, they're following you. They want to follow you. They want to know more. And 
and you can do that by getting to know your donor. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, they're definitely two important, the most important voting blocks to a good relationship with anybody, whether it be a donor or a, a friend. Um, and Doug, how about you? Well, this is the case where Laura had the advantage going first, because I probably would have said both of those things as well. <laughs> um, but to not be redundant, um, I think the only other comments that I would add are um, about really being creative. Uh, you know, I think in some of my conversations with uh, uh, with Laura and other customers. Um, I'm endlessly impressed with uh, people's creativity in terms of adapting, which is certainly a skill that everyone's had to exercise in, um, uh, in spades. And then I think the other piece of advice, and of course, anyone who's listening to this podcast presumably already knows it, um, is you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, um, it, there's great opportunities from to to learn from other nonprofits, and um, you know, constantly be looking for ideas for what's working um, for others that you can um, uh, imitate and emulate. Um, so I think those are my um, the only things I'd add to that. Yeah, creativity is very important and. You know, last year was really hard on everybody, but I think one of the best things to come out of it is it really tested nonprofits' creativity on how to continue the good work that they do and continue to fundraise. Um, so I think that's really important. All right, so that about wraps it up for today's episode. I want to thank first our listeners for you know joining us on this conversation and on today's podcast. And of course, Laura and Doug, uh, thank you so much for joining me on the Nonprofit Voice and sharing your insights and expertise on donor retention. It's been honestly an absolute pleasure and I had such a good time talking to you both. Thank you. I've, I've enjoyed it as well. Thank you. And so on behalf of Nonprofit Pro, we'll see you on the next episode of the Nonprofit Voice. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Nonprofit Voice. You can listen to more episodes of The Nonprofit Voice at nonprofitpro.com slash podcast slash the hyphen nonprofit hyphen voice. And remember, for your convenience, you can stream any and all episodes of The Nonprofit Voice on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify.